Anna Karenina, Book One, Chapter Six, read for LibriVox.org by Kirsten Ferreri. When Oblonsky asked Levine what had brought him to town, Levine blushed and was furious with himself for blushing, because he could not answer. I have come to make your sister-in-law an offer, though that was precisely what he had come for. The families of the Levines and the Strabatskys were old, noble Moscow families, and had always been on intimate and friendly terms. This intimacy had grown still closer during Levine's student days. He had both prepared for the university with the young Prince Strabatsky, the brother of Kitty and Dolly, and had entered at the same time with him. In those days, Levine used often to be in the Strabatskys' house, and he was in love with the Strabatsky household. Strange as it may appear, it was with the household, the family, that Konstantin Levine was in love, especially with the feminine half of the household. Levine did not remember his own mother, and his only sister was older than he was. So it was that in the Shtbatsky's house he saw for the first time that inner life of an old, noble, cultivated, and honorable family of which he had been deprived by the death of his father and mother. All the members of that family. Especially the feminine half were pictured by him as it were wrapped about with a mysterious poetical veil, and he not only perceived no defects whatever in them, but under the poetical veil that shed them, he assumed the existence of the loftiest sentiments and every possible perfection. Why it was the three young ladies that had one day to speak French and the next English? Why it was that at certain hours they played by turns on the piano, the sounds of which were audible in their brother's room above, where the students used to work? Why they were visited by those professors of French literature, of music, of drawing, of dancing? Why at certain hours all three young ladies, with Mademoiselle Lidon, drove in the coach to the Tversky Boulevard, dressed in their satin cloaks, Dolly in a long one, Natalia in a half-long one, and Kitty in one so short that her shapely legs in tightly drawn red stockings were visible to all beholders? Why it was they had to walk about the Tversky Boulevard, escorted by a footman with a gold cockade in his hat? All this and much more that was done in their mysterious world he did not understand. But he was sure that everything that was done there was very good, and he was in love precisely with the mystery of the proceedings. In his student days, he had all but been in love with the eldest Dolly, but she was soon married to Oblonsky. Then he began being in love with the second. He felt, as it were, that he had to be in love with one of the sisters. Only he could not quite make out which. But Natalia too had hardly made her appearance in the world when she married the diplomat Lvov. Kitty was still a child when Levine left the university. Young Strabatsky went into the navy, was drowned in the Baltic, and Levine's relations with the Strabatskys, in spite of his friendship with Oblonsky, became less intimate. But when early in the winter of this year Levine came to Moscow after a year in the country, and saw the Strabatskys, he realized which of the sisters he was indeed destined to love. One would have thought that nothing could be simpler than for him, a man of good family, rather rich than poor, and thirty-two years old, to make the young Princess Sherbatskaya an offer of marriage. In all likelihood, he would at once have been looked upon as a good match. But Levin was in love, and so it seemed to him that Kitty was so perfect in every respect that she was a creature far above everything earthly, and that he was a creature so low and earthly that it could not even be conceived that other people and she herself could regard him as worthy of her. After spending two months in Moscow in a state of enchantment, seeing Kitty almost every day in society, into which he went so as to meet her, he abruptly decided that it could not be, and went back to the country. 
Levine's conviction that it could not be was founded on the idea that, in the eyes of her family, he was a disadvantageous and worthless match for the charming Kitty, and that Kitty herself could not love him. In her family's eyes he had no ordinary definite career and position in society, while his contemporaries by this time, when he was thirty-two, were already, one a colonel and another a professor, another president of a bank and railways, or president of a board like Oblonsky, but he— he knew very well how he must appear to others, was a country gentleman, occupied in breeding cattle, shooting game, and building barns, in other words, a fellow of no ability, who had not turned out well, and who was doing just what, according to the ideas of the world, is done by people fit for nothing else. The mysterious enchanting Kitty herself could not love such an ugly person as he conceived himself to be, and above all such an ordinary, in no way striking person, Moreover, his attitude to Kitty in the past, the attitude of a grown-up person to a child arising from his friendship with her brother, seemed to him yet another obstacle to love. An ugly, good-natured man, as he considered himself, might, he supposed, be liked as a friend. But to be loved with such a love as that with which he loved Kitty, one would need to be a handsome and, still more, a distinguished man. He had heard that women often did care for ugly and ordinary men, but he did not believe it, for he judged by himself, and he could not himself have loved any but beautiful, mysterious, and exceptional women. But after spending two months alone in the country, he was convinced that this was not one of those passions of which he had experience in his early youth, that this feeling gave him not an instant's rest, that he could not live without deciding the question, would she or would she not be his wife, and that his despair had arisen only from his imaginings that he had no sort of proof that he would be rejected. And he had now come to Moscow, with a firm determination to make an offer, and get married if he were accepted. Or he could not conceive what would become of him if he were rejected. End of chapter 6 This recording is in the public domain.